All right. So good morning. It is so good to be with you today. For those who don't know me, my name is Erin Amos Mackey. Thank you. I am on staff at Hope as the pastoral resident, and I'm also finishing up my MDiv, which is Master's in Divinity, at Grand Canyon University. Thank you, thank you, I'm pretty excited. It's coming to a close really fast and I can't wait. But, so part of my job as the pastoral resident, which I found out this week, was, <laughs> um, was to fill in as the speaker if the pastors are busy elsewhere or not feeling well. So here I am. Uh, you know, it's been a really fun challenge, though. Uh, normally, I have around three months where I just, like, sit in a passage and I, like, soak it in. This time, I had five days. <laughs> so it's been an adventure. Liz, our associate, she has been so helpful. She's heard me give it, like, three, four times now. And so I just, I'm so grateful for her. And when she was sick too, so she's a trooper, she's amazing. So I'm just gonna jump in, but before I begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for how much you love us. I thank you for all that you have done and all that you are doing in our lives. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence in this room today, and we ask you to do what only you can do. Move in our hearts, in our minds, soften us to receive what you have for us today. Help us to see you clearer, God, and to get to know ourselves better. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I have a confession. You know, when there is an event at church or it's a holiday like Easter or Christmas and a pastor gets up on stage, holds an invitation and is like, go invite your friends. I'm like, ooh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, thanks. So I'll take some invitations, lose them somewhere. <laughs> Like, I'm not really gung-ho about talking to people about church events, let alone inviting them to come and check it out. And it's not really a new thing for me. I think it started definitely when I was 17, and I was thrown into the Mall of America, and I was told to evangelize. And I was like, oh my gosh, no. So it's like that, you know, PTSD. So, <laughs> but... This past October, I really felt God challenging me to get out of my comfort zone and invite people to our trunk or treat and chili cook-off. So I grabbed some invitations and this time I didn't lose them. And I spoke to some people at my son's bus stop um, and I tried to like invite them when they were alone, you know, like, okay, look for the right opportunity, like, oh, no one's around, let me invite them. Well, it worked for 
maybe two people, but then there was this time where like three of the families were there and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm just gonna do it. So I invited these two families in front of my friend who I'd invited in private and she was like confused. She's like, what are you doing? Because when you do something you don't normally do, it kind of confuses people. So she asks me, she's like, are you doing this for like a requirement for school? And I was like, oh my gosh, no, no. So, but it did give me the opportunity to be like, no, I'm just really excited for this event at my church and I just want people to come. Um, because honestly, I mean, the main reason I don't like inviting people is because I don't think that they're gonna come. <laughs> but this time was different, right? I decided I would give them the choice to say no instead of saying no for them. And what's really great about that was that one of the families I invited actually showed up. Like, it was so great to see them in the trunk or treat line. I'm like, oh my gosh, I know you. Not from church. And so, um, yeah, and it was actually the family that I least expected to come. It was not my friend, FYI. So, you know, I know I'm not the only one that doesn't enjoy going out of their way to invite people to church events or really even talking about their faith in general. So if that's you, or if you fall anywhere in that spectrum, maybe you you still love talking about your faith, but then it seems like something happened and it kind of dried up. Or maybe you never had any faith to share to begin with. I just want you to know this is for you. Today, we are going to talk about the power of listening, then speaking, so others hear. We're in the book of Luke, surprise. Um, For those who don't know, we've actually been going, we've been in a sermon series for a while now. We started from the beginning of Luke and we're making our way to the end. And so today we are in chapter seven, It is in the New Testament, it's the third Bible. If you want to turn in your Bibles with me now, or if you don't have a Bible, we do have some in the back. Feel free to take them and take them home. So we are gonna be in verses one through 10. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. 
All right. So I'm just going to set the scene for you. Right before we get to our passage, Jesus had just finished giving this epic sermon on the plain. He spoke of the upside down kingdom of God and a multitude of people experienced miraculous healing. And then, you know, most people went on their way, although we see that Jesus still had a crowd following him. So Jesus and his crew headed to Capernaum where once they arrived, he is immediately met with the need for the centurion's servant. In verse one, it says, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. So I'm not sure if you've noticed, but when Jesus speaks, people listen. And this time, nothing was different. As we see in verse one, people listened to Jesus' sermon on the plain. But not only did people listen to what he had to say, they got to experience miraculous healing, maybe for themselves, but definitely for others. I mean, talk about a life-changing event that just happened. I don't know about you, But when I experience a life-changing event, especially if it's good, I talk about it. I don't think anyone goes away after hearing Jesus' words and seeing him heal people and keeps it to themselves. I mean, can you imagine? People are leaving the sermon and talking to each other like, did you see what that guy did? And then they stumble upon this guy and he's like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, nothing, bye. I mean, that just doesn't happen, right? I also want to point out in verse 2, we see the significant relationship between the centurion and his servant. So for those who don't know, a centurion was an officer, most likely in the Roman army. Um, He had a rank similar to that of a captain in the U.S. Army. And he was in charge of a large number of men, possibly between 80 to 100, depending on where you look. And his servant was most likely a Jew. That being said, good relationships between Romans and Jews were rare. Rome was occupying Israel, so there was a lot of tension between the cultures because the Israelites did not like it. And then to top it off, you have this hierarchy, right? So the person of the higher status that he actually cares about the slave Enough to trouble others to get him better, that's not normal. Normally, when slaves got sick during this time, the masters would get rid of him. They wouldn't be worth taking care of since the slave was supposed to be taking care of the master. So I point that out because I want to just notice how something godly was already taking place in this man's household. Verse 3, we read, The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So what's really important that I want to point out is the fact that the centurion had only heard of Jesus. 
It doesn't say that he had ever saw him in action. So that means that those people who had just breathed that breath of fresh air on the sermon on the plane, as they headed back to their homes, they were probably talking everyone and anyone's ear off that would listen. And because of the fact that he heard it, the centurion knew Jesus could do something about his sick service servant. And then I just want to point out that not only did the centurion have a good relationship with his slave, who was a Jew, he also had a really good relationship with the Jewish people. He cared about his community. I mean, just the fact that the elders had so much praise for the centurion may have been what moved Jesus to go with them. Because in verse 6, we see that he did. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. So Jesus heads off with the elders to wherever the centurion lived. But before he could even get to the house, the guy sends the second wave. He sends some friends. And the message they deliver is completely different than the ones that the elder Jews did. Where the elders were saying, oh, this guy is so worthy. He's so deserving. The friends come and say, hey, so the centurion doesn't think he is worthy or deserving. And I think this is a typical story. And I think most of us have felt this way. When we're left to our thoughts and we decide, oh my gosh, what did I just do? What was I thinking? I don't deserve this. Oh, that was crazy to ask for what I'm asking for. I mean, how often have you felt like you're a burden to others or that you don't deserve something good? This is something that I've struggled with for most of my life. I think it's part of the reason why I have such a hard time sharing my faith with others because I don't feel worthy. You know, like I, I doubt sometimes, like, did I really change? Like, can I share this? Because sometimes I do the things I used to do. Um, can you relate? Well, I just wanna tell you that you're definitely not alone. And I also wanna say that this isn't the end. There is a turning point in the story. And that tells us that we don't have to stay in that place of feeling unworthy anymore. And the centurion continues, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So, as I mentioned earlier, the centurion was in charge of a large number of people. So he got how authority worked, you know? But then, I also want to point out that he recognized the authority in Jesus. And he came to this conclusion simply from hearing people talk about Jesus which means that there is power in hearing the word. 
And then when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Whoa, right? Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. When I look at Jesus's response to the centurion's words, I don't think the centurion realized like how amazing what he was saying was. I think he was just stating like, this is how life is. I get it, you know, do what you do. But Jesus was amazed with what he called faith. So I'm gonna pause here and look at faith. So the author of Hebrews in chapter 11.1 describes faith for us. He says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And at this very moment, Jesus is defining faith literally. And he is using this man who has never seen him and even now still does not see him because he's speaking through a third party. Someone who is assured that Jesus can deliver a miracle, something that he has never seen Jesus do. And that makes me wonder, how would you define your faith? Are you still waiting on God for something? And maybe it's just been a really long time and you're wondering, gosh, do I even have faith anymore? Well, I want to encourage you because later on in Luke, in chapter 17, verse 6, Jesus states, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can do unthinkable things. So think about how have you experienced your faith impact someone else? Or Has someone else's faith impacted you in a meaningful way? And as I read the part about how the friends go home and find the servant well after Jesus made that statement, I like to think that they returned to the centurion, saw the slave healed, and was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You won't believe what Jesus said about your faith. And... uh, I just think that the centurion would have been so encouraged, right? Especially after he was feeling unworthy and undeserving. And I just think it's so important that we take the time and remember what God has done in our own lives and in others' lives and remind ourselves that God can and will do it again. And to remind others And so, as an example, um, this past Tuesday, when I found out I was giving the sermon today, um, it seemed like all the emotions and feelings that I had been kind of putting off for a while just came to a head and imploded on me. And I was just feeling so unworthy and like down and unsure of myself. But then I went to The Chosen, and in our small group, I actually shared, um, and Vicki, she's sitting right there, she was in my little small group, and 
man, she just reminded me that she has faith in me. And then she reminded me that she has faith in God's plan for me. And that just like, I don't know how to explain it, but it just turned how I saw things around. And I was able to like feel more assured about God's call on my life and in ministry. And it was just like, it's what, it was what I needed. So now I wanna look at what you can take away from this passage and apply to your own lives. When you listen to God or platforms that speak life and challenge you or inspire you to act, then speak about your faith or the good things God has done in your life so others hear the good news of Jesus, this will inspire faith in other people's lives. When you listen to God or platforms that speak life and challenge you or inspire you to act, then speak about your faith or the good things God has done in your life so others hear the good news of Jesus, this will inspire faith in other people's lives. And now as I think about this, it leads me to ask a few questions. First, what are you listening to? I'm talking about podcasts, music, movies, TV shows. But I'm also talking about your thoughts. Are you listening to positive thoughts that tell you you're a child of God, you're worthy, and you're chosen? Or are you listening to the negative thoughts that tell you, I can't do this. What do I have to share? When I have negative thoughts about myself or others, or I've just watched way too many negative TV shows and movies, I'm less apt to share about the good things God has done or is doing in my life. And it's a real struggle, I think, for a lot of us. I'm not the only one that struggles with this. Have you ever felt like, what I have, what I have to say doesn't matter? Or do I even have the faith to share? Like the centurion who may have thought, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Why'd I send the elders? I'm just a Gentile, I'm not worthy. There's no way this rabbi will honor my request. We have doubts and worries that if we allow, listen to them, they can stop us from sharing the beautiful messages God has given us to share. Because what we think about tends to be what we talk about. Which leads me to my next question. What are you talking about? Are you talking about last night's game or last night's episode of the TV show you just watched? Or are you making room in your conversations to talk about what's actually going on in your life? It's not bad to talk about the game or the show you're watching. That's fun and it's good for small talk, right? But is that all you're talking about? Today, I wanna challenge you 
to look over some of your past conversations or maybe in the future, pay attention to what you're saying and see what the trend is. Maybe when you look at your conversations, you realize, wow, I do not talk about God at all. No shame. This is simply an invitation to acknowledge what is, what was, and then be open to what God is inviting you to discuss. Or maybe you don't even have a relationship with Jesus to think about, let alone speak about. Today, you're invited to say yes to Jesus for the first time and start that relationship. And so if any of you are in that space, we'll have a prayer team in the back after service where you can go and pray that prayer. Or Brandon will lead us in that prayer today also. Or maybe you're like feeling inspired to talk about your faith, um, but you don't know where to start. I think a really good place to start is by listening and paying attention. You can ask yourself, where did I see God show up in my life this week? Or where did I see God show up in my friend's life? It doesn't have to be like a major life-altering experience that you share or your whole life story. Just something that mattered to you. No matter how small it may, you may think it may seem to others. If you found it encouraging, I think it's worth sharing. You never know. And then, who are you speaking to? It's really good to share our victories and our challenges with your Christian brothers and sisters. Like, we need that. We need them to speak God's truth into our lives and remind us who we are as a child of God, like Vicki did for me. But you have to wonder, have you shared with people who you don't actually know if they're followers of Jesus or not? I mean, sometimes... I might think, oh, this person probably doesn't want to hear my good news or how God's moving in my life. But as we see in the story, Jesus was amazed by a centurion's faith. But if no one shared with the centurion, he wouldn't have been able to hear in order to display his amazing faith. And then his beloved servant wouldn't have been healed. So this might look like choosing to be bold and sharing with people you see on, the daily, on a daily basis, you know, making who you make small talk with, um, those people at your kid's bus stop. So friends, I just want to remind you, you matter. And what you have to say matters. If you leave here with nothing else but this, I want you to remember it. You matter, and what you have to say matters, no matter how you feel. Because it could make the difference in someone's life that they desperately need. You know, when we as storytellers listen and then take the time to share what we have heard and saw with others, we can be part of bringing faith into people's lives and not even realize it. 
The people who listened to Jesus speak and then shared were only three people removed from the one who received Jesus's healing. And they had no idea it happened. So that leads me to wonder, who's getting impacted? When we share our experiences and the good news of Jesus, we have no idea the ripple effect our words will have. The centurion was impacted by hearing people share Jesus' message and miracles, but then it went even further because his servant was impacted, he was healed. And this was all because the centurion heard about Jesus, and it was all because the people listening to Jesus shared. So as the band comes up, I want you to imagine how many people could be impacted if we each took the time to listen and then speak so others could hear. I think it would just continue to multiply and then hundreds and thousands of lives could end up being changed by the love of Jesus just because we took the time to share. Folks, this is the power of listening and then speaking so that others hear. I really hope you feel encouraged today to step out of your comfort zone this week and see what God does in your life and in the lives of everyone around you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. Lord, help us to choose carefully what we listen to. And then, God, give us the courage to take what we have heard and know about you and to speak it to everyone around us. And remind us that we don't know who's going to be impacted by our words, but you do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.